Welcome to WKJP News Radio, the podcast that talks about the 90s sitcom news radio, whether we like it or not. <laughs> I am your host, Jordan, here with my very own busy little bee. Kayleen. You didn't like that one, did you? <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> You're kind of a busy bee. I am busy. Buzzy wuzzy wuzzy. <gasps> buzz, buzz, buzz. <laughs> that scene made me uncomfortable. <laughs> Good. All right. Good. <laughs> Good. Good. I'm glad you felt uncomfortable, Kayleen. Today we'll be talking about Season 2, Episode 6, entitled Friends. Mm-hmm. At the top, I like to ask Kayleen, how you doing? I'm, I'm fine. We've all been sick. Life is stressful. <laughs> yeah, so today we are recording, and today is the day the episode was supposed to come out. And it didn't, because we've all been taking turns being sick. Well, we have a holiday. And <laughs> yeah, it happens. It's fine. Is there anything new with you? No. I'm cooking tomorrow. I know. You're eating tomorrow. I'm eating tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're cooking tomorrow and I'm when? Pr- Thursday. I'm prepping tomorrow, cooking Thursday. Yeah. Great. Mm-hmm. All right. Kayleen, what have you been watching lately? Some weird documentaries. Yeah, tell me about it. Uh, I watched the one last night, uh, and I can't remember the name of it, but it was on Netflix. I don't even know how to just, it wasn't even about, it was, oh, seven, six or seven men who were sexually abused as children by Catholic priests, and they were approached by a documentary person to not not exactly do a documentary about their experiences, but more to use drama therapy to find some healing from their experiences. And so it's a documentary about them creating different scenes that they want to kind of reenact or act out or um, explore to try to heal from the trauma they've gone through. Mm -hmm. So I found it really interesting um, the idea of drama therapy is really interesting to me. I've never heard, I had never heard of it before. Hmm. Um, so like these men are like writing a script and like, mm-hmm. and the interesting thing is they were acting in each other's. So you had men who were abused by priests dressing up as priests and acting in other men's scenarios. Were all of the dramatic scenes related to their experiences or? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And some of them were, like, reenacting things that happened to them, or some were, like, things that had happened and what they wished they would have said or done instead. Sure. And they actually cast, like, a kid to play. They had one kid, and he played the young kid in all of them. And, like, none of the none of the reenactments were no. in any way, like, inappropriate or yeah. anything like that. But, like, it was also really interesting to watch this young kid. It was probably like 10 or 12. And his mm-hmm. parents like knew it was, they had like talked about like what was going to happen and explained that like, this is really, ha- this really happened to these people mm-hmm. and you're helping them kind of work their way through their feelings around it. And yeah. to watch these men, how they interacted with this young boy and how protective they were of him. Mm. And he was very like, I'm fine. Like, I'm good. Like, this isn't my trauma. This isn't... How old was he? Like, 10 or 11. Okay. Like, he was pretty young. I wish I remembered the name of it. I, I'll, I'll look it up right now. It's almost like, actually, things... like Documentaries find me. And I'm like, how did I... How did this come to me? Okay, so the documentary is called Procession. And it just came out, like, this month. Oh, okay. You know, sometimes you find things on Netflix, and if this happens to you, where you're like... Is this new? Like, did they just release this? Or has this been on Netflix for two years and I just randomly, like, dug it up? Yes, or they decided to bump it up into your... Right, like, for you or something. For some reason, yeah. yeah. So anyway, I watched that. And then I watched another documentary called One of Us, mm-hmm. also on Netflix, I believe. And that was about the Hasidic Jewish community in Brooklyn, New York, and how traumatic it is for people trying to leave, especially women, and how there's more than one case. I can't, like, we're, they, the one that I was watching, they had a woman who had seven children, and they granted custody to the dad, and so she's not allowed to see her kids anymore, because the idea is that when they're getting divorced, 
both families or both parents have to agree to maintain the status quo. Mm-hmm. And if you're in a community like that, that means that as the mom, like she's not maintaining anymore because like she's not living in this restrictive way anymore. And so they grant custody to the dad and this mom, this mom can't see her seven kids. I just like, oh, so yeah. Watching some documentaries. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> and then, and then to cleanse my palate, I watched the British bake, baking show. Ah, yes. Just a brain, <laughs> brain yes. cleanse. Yes. So speaking of the Hasidic Jewish community, uh, that features into one of the episodes I watched recently because I've been watching the Sopranos. Wait, you started watching it? Yes, I did start watching it. You're a butt. <laughs> I, th- I thought we were going to watch it together. I didn't think you really wanted to I watch do. it. I do. I told you I wanted to watch it. I know. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I want to watch it by myself. Well, we have it on HBO Max. We were using our, my brother-in-law's account, your brother's account. But anyway, in one of the episodes... Yeah. Some Hasidic Jews enlist Tony to convince this guy to willingly divorce his wife because he's holding up the process. He's not going to give his get. Exactly right. Yeah. I know about this. Yeah, the yeah. get. Yeah. Yeah, you have, they have to give the get. Mm-hmm. And if they don't, the woman can't marry anyone else. Yeah. And men sometimes will do this as a way of manipulating a woman and keeping her from moving on. Yeah. It's really messed up. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've been watching that a little bit here and there. It's fine. It's just fun to watch it uh, at a different stage in my life because now I empathize a lot more with Tony as a dad. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Like, just, just the way he has to, like, deal with, okay, I go to work and I deal with the bullshit at work and then I come home and then I deal with my kids' bullshit. <laughs> just <laughs> that sort of thing. Like, I'm not... <laughs> anytime I compare myself... In any way to Tony Soprano, you laugh uh, and roll your eyes, but... Um, let me, should I be concerned? No. Okay. <laughs> but he is such a compelling character for a reason. And mm-hmm. it's, I mean, it, it's partly James Gandolfini's performance. Just like, there's so much going on yeah. in every scene with him. And then also just, now that I am also a dad, it's just a different sort of thing. Mm. The last thing I want to say is we watched something together. The other night, we watched the first episode of The Wheel of Time. Oh, yeah, you were you were real <laughs> excited. <laughs> so I am not a big fan of adaptations, especially of books. Like, I am just, I am the annoying... Yes, you are. The book was better. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, Usually the book you. is better. Yep, that's yep. me. And it's just because books... And the book is usually better. Yeah, you get to kind of create your own, you mm-hmm. know perspective on events and you get to create your own scenarios and what people look like and you know settings and things like that and then when you watch somebody's adaptation of it you're watching their vision of it it's like Mm -hmm. ah, this isn't mine and you just get distracted by like how different it is from what you were thinking of but that didn't bother me with this at all like Mm. i was just all in from the very beginning yeah you were at the edge of your seat literally yeah i was super into it and every time something new would happen you would go oh yeah I was like, the Trollocs are coming. I know the Trollocs are going to come. And they did. They messed some shit up. Yep. He got real excited about that. That was real cool. Um, Yeah. The The effects were really good. I was really impressed with like this. It didn't feel like an FX sci-fi show. It felt like good. Yes. There was high production value in it. And like, that's what this needs. Like this rich fantasy world. It needs the high production value, you know? Um, the one thing that I found a little bit confusing was uh, they're apparently doing race-blind casting, which oh, just means yeah. a bunch of people in this, you know, backwater little village in the two rivers. Um, some are black, some are white, some are, you know, South Asian, just to our eyes anyway. Mm-hmm. And I found that very confusing. I, I'm not opposed to it, but it's just funny that, like, you build up these ideas in your head of what the characters look like. And they're probably mostly white. Yeah, they are. And yeah. like Egwene, one of the main female characters, I mm-hmm. think is played by a mm-hmm. Southeast Asian woman. And in my head, she looks like Margot Robbie. Oh, like Alicia Silverstone's sister. Uh, yeah, I guess. She was um, Tanya Harding in I, Tanya. Oh, wow. She's a lot prettier there than she was in I, yes. Tanya. Um, she has really far apart eyes, though. She does. She has really widespread eyes. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so it's just it's. 
it took me a while to get a handle on who everybody is. And then once I did, I was like, okay, all right, I'm in. That's fine. But just like a little bit strange. It's supposed to be like an analog of like rural whales, you know? Mm -hmm. And instead it's sort of like, okay, there's someone who to my eyes reads like they're from, you know, I didn't even notice that until you pointed it out because I don't know these characters. I don't know any other way. So yeah, I would not have thought, I didn't think anything of it until you mentioned it. But it was great. It was exciting. It was um, amazing scenery. It was uh, really cool effects with the um, magic in the world. Mm-hmm. Cool fighting. I'm not even really a fighting guy, but I thought the fighting was cool. Um, I thought they set up a lot of different plot threads that are going to go forward. Yeah, I'm into it. The child actors weren't any good, but they no, never are. They never are. Yeah, that's how it is. <laughs> I want to say one more thing before we're... I don't even know if this is going to make it in, but I was tickled pink this week. Do you oh, know why? I know exactly why. The 14-year-old version of you fainted dead alive. So last week I recommended Dr. Frank and the Mr. T Experience, uh, which is a band that I have loved for 20-ish years. Oh, I started listening to them when we started dating in order to appear cool and appeal to you. <laughs> but and I do like their music, and yeah, I have good memories of listening to their albums. Yeah, and I... His albums, their albums. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I, I tagged him in a Twitter post, and he liked it and retweeted it. And yeah, the 14-year-old, not too deep down inside of me, kind of lost his shit for <laughs> the rest of the day, <laughs> just because, like, that's super awesome, because I am just such a huge fan, and the idea that he would listen to anything that I would make, however homemade and uh, amateurish and <laughs> completely unrelated to his stuff it is, um, just makes me really, really happy. And honestly, he if you listen to the recommendations, he heard that, like, one of his songs reminds me of my wife, who I adore, mm-hmm. so... Aww. Yeah, that just really made me happy. And that was the same night that we watched The Wheel of Time. So Yeah. Oh, yeah. Four- that was a great day for you. 14-year-old Jordan was having a real good day. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Should we get into the news radio episode? Let's do it. Great. All right. So this is season two, episode six, called Friends. This episode aired November 14th, 1995. It was written by Brian Kelly and Josh Lieb, and it was directed by Michael Lembeck, who directed the same one last week. They should have called it Frenemies. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't think that word existed mm. in 1995. Mm. But they weren't even friends. I don't know. Anyway. Can I... Yeah, I'm going to look that up for a second, because that's actually a really great point, and I wonder where the term frenemy... Okay, so this is really interesting. In the Google engram for frenemy... So the first time it was ever used was back in the 50s. <laughs> I was going to say, I would assume it had been used before. And it got earlier, used a, but... a, a bit in the 80s, but it went underwent a huge spike around 2000. Mm. So I don't think people would have necessarily immediately understood if they had called this episode Frenemies, but mm. I think they would have gotten it, and it was just a few years away from that term really catching on. Mm. All right, sorry, that's the um, etymology geek in me coming out. Let's get back into the news radio episode. <laughs> Let's see which geek comes out next. Who knows? You we never... had the Wheel of Time geek, the uh-huh. fantasy geek out, uh-huh. the etymology geek out. Yep. Maybe the plant geek will come out. Maybe. <laughs> we'll see if we can coax him out, if we can coax him into unfurling. So in terms of number ones... Just to situate us in the cultural context, we have a movie that was number one at the box office for exactly one week. I won't be able to get it, then. Nope. If that... it's not Mighty Ducks or Mrs. Doubtfire, <laughs> I don't know what it is. <laughs> but I bet you've seen it. It is a comedy. What's the first letter? No, it's not going to help you. It might. Uh, can I give you the acronym? Sure. A-V colon W-N-C. W-N-C. Oh, Ace Ventura. When Nature Calls, the sequel. Yep. Yep. Did you ever see this one? Uh, I just remember the first Ace Ventura movie. <laughs> Literally all I remember from Ace Ventura is like, doesn't at the end we find out that the main character is a woman, but they're like transgendered and then they like tuck their penis? I don't think it's even that. I think it's just a man posing as a woman. Okay. Yep. And then there's a dolphin. There is also a dolphin. Miami Dolphins are involved in some way. Well, don't they kidnap the team mascot, the Miami Dolphin? And that's why he's brought in, because he's a pet detective. 
Okay, maybe that's what it is. Yeah, yeah I forgot. I, actually, until you said that, I forgot he was even a pet detective. <laughs> well, the first one is called Ace Ventura, a pet detective. No, I know. You're right. I just forgot that that was the second half of the title. Yeah. Um, so I don't know that I ever saw When Nature Calls. I think I got the sense, or my parents got the sense from the commercials, that it was a lot raunchier. Than and the first, the first one was already one. pretty raunchy. I know, so I don't know that I got to see it. Maybe we should watch the first one. Yeah. I mean, add that to the list. Yeah. Start a list. <laughs> that's the first one on the list. Okay, that's the first one. Along with Congo. <laughs> and what else are we going to watch? We've already watched Steel Magnolias. I know. And Edward Scissorhands. Waterworld. I love Waterworld. <laughs> I, I will watch Waterworld any day. I love that movie. Great. All right, so the synopsis of this episode is Dave hires a temp to help Beth organize the station's files. Guest starring, we have three guest stars. B.B. B.B. Newworth as Sandy Angelini. Very good. And the two security guards are also guest stars. Do you recognize either of them? Not the main guy. Seemed like someone, but I don't, I don't, I couldn't place him. All right, so I'm going to say that the second security guard, the white guy, he's an actor named Toby Huss, and he's been in a ton of things for years. The thing that I know him the best from was um, The Adventures of Pete and Pete. Mm. So I know you didn't ever really watch no. that, um, but, you know, they live in this kind of weird little town, and he is the younger Pete's friend, who is the town superhero. His name is Artie, the strongest man in the world, but he's really just this weird, wiry oh, guy. Oh, yeah, I remember. He, like, wears, like, a Superman outfit all the time or something. Yeah. Or, like, goggles or something. Yeah, he, he wears a weird, like, pajamas as a superhero suit, and yeah. then he wears the thick black frame glasses. Oh, that's what I'm thinking of as goggles. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he did a lot of voice work, so he was on King of the Hill as one of the voices of the, one of the four main men on King of the Hill. I'm not actually sure which one. They all kind of run together for me. I'm not going to make you sit here while I look this up, but I have I have a feeling that there's something in there that you'd be like, oh, yeah, I remember him from. Anyway, he's just a character actor who's been working for many years. But the main security guard, I want to play something for you and see what you think of this. Is this song ringing any bells for you? I think it could be a lot of songs. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember skating, roller skating to this song at like the skating place. Sure. I think. Like, I was a little white girl that felt really cool listening to a rap. Yeah. Funky Cold Medina. Yeah. Does that do anything for yeah, you? Yeah, sure, yes. So that's Tone Loke. Okay. And he was the, the security guard. Oh, okay. So he had that song in the 90s, and he also had The Wild Thing. Actually, not The Wild Thing, just Wild Thing. Yeah. So that's probably where most people know him from, was he was just... He has that voice. Like, not like listening to that, I'm like, oh, yeah, his voice is kind of distinctive. It's kind of gravelly. Yeah, that weird raspy voice. Yeah. He was also one of the bad guys in the movie that we watched about the kid who gets rich. What was that movie? Richie Rich? Not Richie Rich. Blank Check. Blank Check. Do you remember we watched that? Yeah. And he was right. one of the crooks, like, chasing the kid around. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I think he gets hit in the balls at some point. <laughs> that's every, that's every <laughs> family comedy in the 90s. So apparently Tone Loke was just sort of everywhere doing everything in about 1995. Hmm. Here you go. He was hustling. He was hustling, that's right. All right, so yes, it guest stars B.B. Newworth, Tone Loke, and Toby Huss. It will not be the last guest appearance from Toby Huss. He will come back in a different role later on. Hmm. I would be remiss if I didn't say that. In the first scene, Bill walks through the lobby of WNYX's building, and one of the security guards, that would be Lorenzo, Tone Loke, won't let him through without an ID. Other WNYX staff go by them, uh, and he lets them all pass, but uh, Bill doesn't have his ID, so he can't get past. Eventually, the scene ends. He tries to crawl past the security guards. 
I don't think they were all WNYX people. It's just anybody in the building, I would assume. I just met several other people we oh, like know were, from the station. Yeah, 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 he lets them by. Their IDs, though, don't even have their photo. They look like business cards. Yeah, we see that at the very end of the episode. And then later on, he rips it up, so yes. they're not even laminated. So You're, I'm like, <laughs> the whole ID thing, I thought was, I actually wrote down, ID thing is annoying and dumb. The IDs look fake. You know, I totally agree with you. I, do, I am not a fan of this yeah, subplot. Yeah. I think this is a boring, not very funny subplot. Yeah, they can't all be winners. It's true. They can't. So then we get the credits, and then the next scene, Beth is reorganizing a lot of files. Apparently the previous station owner had a weird filing system. Ed. It's interesting to me that, yeah, it must be Ed Harlow, or maybe it was the guy who came before oh, him. How long was Ed there? Because that's a lot of files. Like mm, That's a great question. You know. I bet they say in the pilot how long Ed has been working there. Mm. So I don't know. <laughs> Kayleen. <laughs> so we watched this episode together twice, and I watched it once by myself. Mm-hmm. And both times we watched it together, Kayleen said, Why is Bill's hair blowing in a breeze? It is, was noticeable and annoying and weird and distracting. <laughs> right at the very beginning, they're standing outside the elevator, and there's so clearly a draft, mm-hmm. and his hair is blowing around. Mm-hmm. It's just weird. Uh-huh. I'm observant. Is it crazy to think there could be a a window open somewhere down the hall or something? Yes, it is. Be, like, <laughs> the way that his hair was blowing was there is a direct source of wind near him. Uh-huh. And there's nothing near him, <laughs> let alone a window that we can see. Sometimes, like, if you're standing underneath a vent, your hair might do that. Sure. But it was just weird. Okay. I'm not disagreeing. It was weird. I've never noticed that. And you noticed it twice. That's why you have me around. I notice (laughs) things. All right. So the filing system is pretty strange. Beth explains it. Oh, we're refiling old news stories from the past three years. Dave discovered that the old station manager had a rather unique filing system. What's unique? Well, name a topic. I'll tell you how it was filed. Okay. Taxi cabs. Taxi cabs, that would be under yellow comma things that are. Oh, that makes sense, right next to bananas. Oh, uh, no, actually, bananas are under fruits comma ones that I'm allergic to. Ass comma, sounds like this job is a pain in the... Much comma, thank you very. I don't know, I thought the little joke between Beth and Lisa was pretty funny. I remembered that going into this episode, I'm like, oh yeah, there's that much yeah. comma, thank you very joke. I didn't even catch that. Oh, no? No, okay. no. It's a big job, so Dave has hired a temp to help Beth, but he warns her the temp is not a toy, so no taking her apart to try to figure out how she works. So we know that we're going to get a temp coming in to help Beth. Mr. James comes in. He has bought a powerful shredder to shred any incriminating uh, documents they come across in the refiling. So Mr. James shreds the shredder instructions, um, and then he sends Beth into the main office for donuts, bagels, anything else that looked cool all chopped up. And that is when the temp arrives, Sandy Angelini. So yeah, like you pointed out, that was B.B. Newworth, whom we know best from... Frasier. Frasier, yeah. Lilith Sternum. Or Cheers. Mm-hmm. I think it is a real credit to her as an actress that she could play such a different character. Like, mm-hmm. she is nothing like Lilith in this. You yeah. know how, like, you get some actors and they're just always kind of playing the same character? Yeah. Like, I love I love Dave Foley. I think he's hilarious. I don't know that I've ever seen him play anybody who's not kind of Dave Foley slash Dave Nelson. Sure. Stephen Root, who plays Mr. James, is another one of these. Like, he is in a million different things and he is a totally different person every time he plays a character. Do you remember the rich old weird guy who was blind? He was one of the bad guys in Get Out. Yeah. That was Steven Root. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. That, okay. Yeah. That was a good movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just an example. I don't right. think I've ever brought that up to you, but, like, he's amazing at being a totally different person every time he well, takes on a role. Well, that's who you're supposed to be when it's an actor. <laughs> you're not supposed to just be the same person every time. All right. So, Beth and Sandy greet each other. Apparently, they seem to really like each other. Um, but then Beth talks to Dave and Lisa in Dave's office and says he needs to fire her immediately. Beth says that Sandy is a copycat. She's going to copy whatever Beth does because she wants to be like Beth. It's weird because they're so different. I think I would have cast somebody more physically similar or something. 
Hmm. Their coloring is just really different. I mean, they're both really pale, except one is pale with dark hair and one is pale with red hair. No, but even, like, Sandy's eyes are, like... She just has very, like, deep-set eyes and, like, has a kind of bird-like... I don't know. There's something about... I don't know. There's something about the way she looks. I just feel like Beth looks very... They don't... They don't seem the same to me that much in this episode, even though, like, she's supposed to be copying her. I don't... I never really picked up on that as, like, a... Also, what was her outfit? That hot purple pantsuit thing? I wrote down short shorts. Like... I mean, that was that a skirt that she was wearing? I think it was a skirt. Yeah, that was... But it, it looked like shorts or something. Like, if she bent over, she'd be in trouble. <laughs> like, I just... Yeah, that was quite the outfit. I just... She didn't seem quirky in the same way that Beth is quirky. Well, I mean, isn't that because what Beth is doing is original? Like, she's doing it on her own, and then Sandy's just following along and copying what Beth is doing? Sure. I don't know, I just feel like that could I feel like that could have been done in a more obvious way, I guess. Mm-hmm. I did notice that she changed her hair. Ah, uh, see, yeah. Yeah, like I noticed that right away that like, oh, she came in with her hair like down and then she put it up. Yeah, see, that's a good eye cuz I did not notice that and mm-hmm. I wouldn't have noticed that until I had watched it the first time and known that was coming. But yeah, no, I didn't pay attention mm-hmm. to that at all. Beth asks Dave and Lisa to pick a guy in the office. Beth will drop hints that she likes him, and she promises that by noon Sandy will be engaged to him. They pick Matthew, which uh, is the perfect guy for them to pick, um, just in terms of comedy. I also noticed that Sandy is kind of taking over Beth's job responsibilities. She takes it on herself to bring in a cup of coffee for Dave, and she answered the phone and rescheduled something. So she's already kind of like... Yeah, I guess I trying to do her job. I guess I Parting in. Yeah. Beth slips back through the office, but on her way out, she leans over to Matthew and says, Hey, Matthew. Yeah. I cannot get you out of my mind. <laughs> I just love how confused he looks. He just looks like he just kind of can't make sense of what she just said to him. Like, he just gets this really, like, pensive look on his face. That's really funny. They've been working together for so long that it's weird to me that he just accepts so readily that, like, oh, she wants me now. Yeah. Like, typically people don't just all of a sudden, like, somebody they've known for a long time, then one one day they're just like, I want you. (laughs) And then he's like, oh. Well, that's just how attraction works, I guess. I guess so. I guess that's just Matthew being sort of childlike and right. not really knowing, like, oh, okay. Yeah. Joe thinks that Sandy wants him. Uh, Joe doesn't have a lot to do in this episode. Apparently the only thing they really give him to do is to, like, think that Sandy's interested in him, kind mm-hmm. of egotistically. He says, looks like someone's going to be taking an extra long lunch today. And Matthew says, what are you, like, super hungry or something? Was the idea that he was going to, like, hook up with her? I think so. Okay. And then Catherine says, I'll explain it to you later. And he says, oh, it's a black thing. And that made me yeah. laugh both times. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know exactly what you found funny about that. I was going to meaning to ask you. About that line? That line, yeah. I don't know if I laughed. I guess it was like an unexpected sure. line. It also doesn't really work because if it was a black thing, why would Joe have said it? Right. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah, I didn't. The whole scene like is sort of strange to me. All right, in the next scene, Bill comes back through the lobby and apologizes for his behavior to the guards. He offers to pick them up sandwiches. Um, I really like the way they ask for... Lorenzo asks for something to chomp on. <laughs> and and uh, Junior asks for some chippy chips. All the ways to ask for, like, a sandwich and some chips. Just, that made me laugh. Oh, they do not let him back into the office because he forgot something upstairs. Um, yeah, this is the part of this subplot that I just really hate. Like, there's no real reason why they are preventing him from going upstairs at several points. It's just like, we can't let you go by without an ID. But, like, he must have gotten up there earlier somehow. So now that he came down, like... Right, you've seen him. You've seen him, you know. I know. It's just not that funny. Like, yeah, I just feel like the abuse of the small amount of power is like, okay, haha, funny one time, but, like, for a whole subplot just felt annoying. Yes, I agree. I do like the way that Bill turns on them super fast. Like, he's been super chummy and friendly, like, apologizing, and then they don't let him up, and he says, you sons of bitches are gonna pay. (laughs) I, that's the thing I like about Bill, is just how quickly he'll, like, turn and just, like, show you a completely different face. 
So back upstairs, Sandy asks to take off Matthew's glasses um, to see how blue his eyes are. And she says, oh, my, my, it's like looking into the ocean. That was that was kind of funny where he's like, oh, my eyes are watering because of whatever. Yeah, they do get a little watery because of the pollen. Right. Yeah. So Beth brings Dave and Lisa to show them that Sandy is flirting with them, but they don't catch any of that flirtiness. Um, And this is where we get that little um, busy little bees scene from earlier that made you uncomfortable. It did make me uncomfortable. In the next scene, uh, down in the lobby, Sandy is taking Matthew to her favorite sushi place for lunch. Apparently this is a restaurant that she heard about from Beth. Then we get Beth's distillation of the situation, which is that Sandy is like a slutty version of the singing frog from the cartoon. Yeah, I didn't understand. Like, I Do don't, you know the reference? No. Well, after she did the little dance, I was like, oh, okay, with like the top hat and the singing. Like, I get it, but I'm like, is that does that frog copy other animals or something? <laughs> like, what? Why is that? I don't get it. Okay, so there's a very famous Warner Brothers cartoon where there is a frog who sings and dances, does that little, like, top yeah, hat dance sure. every time somebody looks away or only one character is looking at them and the character tries to get other people to say, like, look at this amazing frog, but every time they see the frog... Oh, okay. Everybody the frog's just, like, it. ribbit. Got it. Okay. Right? That was the joke. Okay, that makes more sense. Yep. I think that's, like, a perfect... It's a perfect Gen X reference because all of these people, I think, would have seen that cartoon when they were growing up. But I think it's just a little too old for us. Like, I'm not sure how I figured out what she was referencing. I think this is, I think that frog character actually was later kind of morphed into Michigan J. Frog. Do you know who that is? Mm -hmm. He's the the mascot, I guess, of the WB back when the WB was a TV channel. Oh, maybe I do. Yeah, okay. Do you remember the WB? Yeah. They would have that, it's the tap dancing frog. Yeah, yeah. So... Anyway, that's the joke. Hmm. And, like, I did remember Lisa's line, which is, so, Beth, does this singing frog ever tell you to do things? That just made me laugh. I know, I know that's kind of a corny joke, but that was one of the lines that I remembered from this episode. Hmm. I like that Bill is still on the phone yelling at someone to send Dave down when Dave comes by. Dave tells him to go upstairs, signs a waiver, um, but then they realize that they didn't see Dave's ID. Um, so <laughs> Bill sprints past them and into the elevator. I love the way he yells, so long, suckers, just because I think that's a really funny like thing. And you could just tell he feels like he's gotten one over on them, and he the elevator shuts, and they right. just walk over, and they just open it right back up. You didn't think the so long, suckers was funny? I didn't think anything that, like, their interaction was that funny to me, no. Okay. All right, I'm just a Bill McNeil partisan. That's you are incredibly partisan toward Bill. <laughs> incredibly, like apparently I, so. Yes, apparently so. In the next scene, uh, Bill is still trying to get upstairs. They're talking to somebody upstairs, and uh, apparently that person upstairs is saying that Bill McNeil is already there. And we get a glimpse, and it turns out it's Catherine saying, "Actually, Bill McNeil is already here." So whoever is trying to get up as Bill McNeil is an imposter. I like Catherine. Yeah, I know. She's probably one of my favorite characters. Yeah. Just because, like, she's not cheesy. No. A lot of these characters are cheesy, and, like, she's not. Hmm. They're still dealing with all the documents from the filing system. Um, they find a document called Mr. James, Water Investment, White. Um, and Mr. James immediately grabs it and shreds it. Did you catch that it was... Whitewater. Involving sure, whitewater. Yes. Do you know anything yeah. about whitewater? Uh, everything I know about Whitewater, I learned from Forrest Gump. Hmm. No, uh, you're thinking of Watergate. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> yep, then I don't know anything about Whitewater. Yeah, uh, I, I know very little about it, and what I do know I've learned just from, like, podcasts. They had a good series on Slate a few years ago about the impeachment of Bill Clinton, and one of the things they talked about was kind of, like, all the baggage he was bringing into office when he came into office in 93, and one of those things was Whitewater. Basically, there were some kind of, like, shady real estate investments that the Clintons were taking part in when he was the governor of Arkansas. Mm. It's not that interesting, but, like, Whitewater would have been a real big joke at this time in the 90s. Uh, Sandy sees Matthew and says, hi, tiger. And Matthew growls in a way that's kind of funny. And then she asks him to do it again. He said, actually, I kind of hurt my throat. (laughs) Then Beth grabs Matthew and kisses him. 
probably in the same way she did to Bill in the limo. I mean, in season one. I thought about that. I was like, Beth, she should be fired. You can't just like do that in a workplace. Yeah, That's you can't just cool. grab somebody's no. face and kiss them. No, it's no. true. Unfortunately, this leads Matthew to think that both Sandy and Beth like him, and he confides in Dave and Lisa in Dave's office. He says he feels like in those Archie comics with, you know, Betty on one side and Veronica on the other. And Lisa says, but Betty and Veronica didn't like Chughead. <laughs> Just like the way he goes, I'm Archie. <laughs> I feel like they didn't actually give that joke enough space to breathe because the idea that, like, of course Matthew thinks of himself as Archie, even right. if everybody else thinks of him as Jughead. That's such a dated reference, <laughs> It too. is, it is, I know. I mean, even that was dated in the 90s. Oh, yeah. But that, again, that's a perfect Gen X reference, right? Sure. Like, the people in this office would have grown up, like, knowing those comics. So he leaves, and the fact that he thinks both of them like him leads Dave to say, okay, it just turns sad. In the next scene, Sandy and Beth are out still working on the documents. Uh, Lisa comes out to talk to them, and he, she says a line that's kind of funny. All right, I hope that the both of you are happy. Matthew seems to think that he is about to be proposed to or propositioned, or pleasured in some way. <laughs> and whatever it is, I think that this charade has got to stop. And this is where we get Beth calling out Sandy for copying her. Apparently, in high school, Beth tricked Sandy into thinking that they were both going to be going to work for the Peace Corps, but Beth stayed home and worked for Six Flags while Sandy dug wells in Uganda. <laughs> and I really like the look on Beth's face when Sandy says that because you can just tell she's totally like caught. Like she knows that like, right. Oh yeah, that was actually really shitty of me, but like right. that was a joke, but right. you can't actually play that off as a joke. So Matthew comes in and he starts to tell Beth and Sandy that he's throwing himself into the ring and just going to let them both fight it out. <laughs> both of them decline really gently uh, and Matthew is holding a paper bag and a box of chocolates falls out that of the package. That made me, like, sincerely sad. <laughs> like, that actually made me, that actually made me feel really bad for him. I know. <laughs> the, way he, the way he says, Chocolates. I'm sort of a chocoholic. I like uh, chocolates. And they're cheaper when you buy them in these funny shape. Oh, I see. It's a heart. I didn't even notice. <laughs> He tries to cover that up. I know. Made me really laugh. At the end of it, he says, I guess I could use a hug. And so they both go in to hug him and he turns and hugs Dave. Well, like, even the fact that, like, he bought a box of chocolates, like, because he thinks there's a girl who likes him and, like, that's what you do is you give a girl chocolates. Like, ugh. Matthew is becoming more endearing to me. I still find him annoying, but, like, yeah. I think you're supposed to find him both annoying and endearing sure when i was younger i just found him kind of funny and annoying mm -hmm. and now i'm like oh he's a lot more endearing especially once i started conceiving of him as like a child he reminds me of my own kids mm -hmm. where like oh yeah that's how my kid would respond in that situation like the the tiger growl <laughs> that definitely <laughs> seems like something one of our kids that's would do true. and i'd yes. be like wow that was a good growl can you do that again he goes i don't know that hurt my throat <laughs> can see our oldest yes. saying that yep so mr james comes in at the very end of this scene he basically grabs the box of chocolates out of matthew's hands and shreds the big box of chocolates in the shape of a heart i did wonder how they did that like how did the prop person do that because hmm. i mean clearly they didn't actually shred yes but they had something to shred i guess mm -hmm. there was something that was working but I was curious about that prop. Yeah, I just thought if there were really chocolates in there, there'd be a lot more splatter. Or, well, I figured the machine would get all gummy and it yeah. wouldn't, like, work. Mm. All right, in the final scene, Dave told Sandy and Beth that it's against company policy for them to date Matthew. Uh, Dave is explaining this as he and Joe and Matthew are leaving the elevator. You told Beth and Sandy that it was against company policy to date me? Yeah, I'm sorry, but, you know, a uh, uh, policy is policy, Matthew. Well... This explains a lot. <laughs> what about you and Lisa? This policy only applies to Matthew. That makes no sense at all. Well, no, no, it does. You'd be surprised. There's a lot of company policies that only apply to me. Oh, <laughs> poor guy. 
So Joe gives Bill his ID, which he had left upstairs. Apparently, it really just does look like a business card. They I couldn't know. have taken 10 more minutes and put a picture on there. I know. Or, I you know. know, not even laminated it, but made, made it a little more sturdy. It literally just looks like a business card. Yeah. Uh, Lorenzo teases him that it's expired, so Bill tears it up, uh, and then they still won't let him pass. So the episode ends on a surprised expression on Bill's face. All right, and that's the episode. What do you think, Kayleen? In terms of analysis, what did you think about this one? I mean, it was fine. I feel like it kind of appeals to women more because that's very much, I think, a woman thing. Like, girls copying each other for, I don't know, acceptance or whatever. Um, I'm not saying I wouldn't be annoyed if another man copied me in this way, but I think it gets under women's skin a lot more than it does with men. Well, it feels very much like a high school type thing. Like, I Mm -hmm. remember being sort of annoyed when I felt like one of my friends copied me in any type of way. Like, well, I got this (laughs) scrunchie, (laughs) or this is, these are the shoes I wear, or that's the expression I say. If your friend starts doing it and then they get positive attention for it, then you feel mad or whatever about that. But as a grown-up, I just feel like... Who cares? It's sad and weird. And honestly, if anybody copied me now, I would be like, hey, I must be doing something right. (laughs) (laughs) That's nice. Like, ah, all right. Yeah. Thank you for validating my choices. Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing most of the time, so... I did like getting to see a softer side of Matthew and I did get I did like getting to see him sort of like oh people are interested in me like I yeah. like seeing how he handled that right. um it was kind of endearing like you said you made a really good point I thought which was one of the reasons probably for this subplot with Bill and the security guards was to get Bill out of the office while this whole Sandy situation was happening because like it's not clear to me how he would have interacted with her at all. Like, right. Dave is just sort of the boss, and he's like, here you go, Sandy, do your job. Mm-hmm. And, like, Lisa's busy doing her own thing. Joe, like, gets a little bit to do in terms of thinking Sandy is into him. But, like, how would Bill interact with her? Like, he would probably take no notice of her whatsoever. Right. Or he would hit on her. Or... I guess, but we haven't seen him do that at all. No. In this show so no. far. So, I guess maybe... This is a good episode for Bill to be distracted doing something else in the lobby. Mm-hmm. This is a fine episode. Yeah. Not that much to say. Like it just... I know. I don't think I didn't have any lols. Like, yeah. I, I smirked a few times, but there was nothing that really stood out to me as, like, really entertaining. Yeah. The laughs I got from this episode were a lot of, like, oh, I remember this line from when I watched it the first few times um, and haven't seen this in a long time, as opposed to, like, oh, these are jokes that are really genuinely making me laugh. Mm-hmm. All right. Now it's time for... Yo, it's the 90s. So I caught a couple of distinct 90s references. First of all was the Whitewater reference. Right, that was the only one I thought of. Okay, the other one was that um, Sandy points out like a, a speckle on Matthew's hand, and he said, oh, I used to have that Michael Jackson disease. Oh, right. So he's talking about vitiligo, right? Which is where your skin gets, like, lighter colored. Yeah, loses pigmentation in some areas. Just the fact that he referred to it as the Michael Jackson disease feels very 90s. Yeah. Can you think of anything else that's 90s references? Hmm. I mean, Tone Loke being (laughs) an actor on this show is itself (laughs) very 90s thing. Yeah, I can't think of anything else. I mean... Paper files. Ah, that's true. You know, yeah, these would all be paper files. But like, there are plenty of places that still use paper files now. So less and less. But yeah, these would all be digitized at this point. I'm assuming. Right. Yeah, I just want to give a shout out to uh, Superfan Tom, who listens to our show, and he has pointed out in a comment that we're missing something very obvious. That is a '90s reference, or maybe not a '90s reference, but a. Oh. A very clear indication that it is the 90s. What is it? That's that they have typewriters everywhere. And he is right. Yeah. Once I started looking for that, I noticed it more and more. I'd like to go back and like actually pick out some screenshots as examples, but um, I bet there's all kinds of like or printers like that 
Yes. Remember the type of, like, line-by-line printers? Yes, yeah. There's probably a lot of technology there that's but there's uh, really outdated. But there are typewriters on Lisa's desk and Bill's desk. So it's a really weird... That's it, so weird. It's a weird situation because they've got personal computers on their desks, a lot of them. I know. Like, growing up, I don't remember ever seeing typewriters. Oh, I do. Yeah, my dad really? used one. Yep. I mean, my grandma and grandpa had one. Yeah. I guess, like, my grandma wrote me letters on her typewriter. But, like... Yeah. We didn't have one in our house, and I don't remember going places and seeing typewriters. I don't know that we had one in my our house. We might have had an old one that my parents didn't use. My dad used one at his work. There is a picture oh. in my memory of him at his job, and, like, he's doing his job on huh. a typewriter, an electric typewriter. See, I only remember my mom doing her job on a computer. Hmm. Like, even, like, her my earliest memories of visiting my mom at work, Yeah, she was using a computer. Huh. I do remember her using those, um, so my mom's an accountant, and I remember her using the calculator with, like, the roll of paper on it. I remember her using that a lot. Yeah. Because it would, like, then she'd hit enter, and it would, like, typewriter calculator, basically. Yes, yes. Yeah. But, yeah, I remember and, that thing. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Well, I just wanted to give credit where it's due. It's not something I had thought of uh, explicitly, but, yeah, they're there if you look for them in the first season and a half or so. Mm. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> All right. Now it is time for... The game! The game! Alright, are you ready? Yeah. The category is... Twins. Ooh, alright! <laughs> That's a pretty good category, right? The reference like, being that, like, Sandy she's like a is copycat. Copying. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Question number one Benji and Joel Madden founded what rock band in 1996? Ooh. I don't recognize either of those names. They're twins? They are. Would you like me to repeat the question? Nope. I don't know the answer. Good Charlotte. Oh, there's twins in that band? I guess so. I mean, I don't listen to Good Charlotte, but yeah. Um, Benji and Joel Madden. Okay. When my sister was in high school, you know, she had like a Christmas list. Like, oh, these are the things I want for Christmas. And one of the things she wanted was a Good Charlotte CD. And my mom was like, oh, I love Charlotte Church. Do you remember Charlotte Church? No. She's like this like very like delicate white girl who sings like hymns and like i mean she's she's like the you know 18 year old version of who is that homely lady who sang that everyone liked from american idol oh susan yes boyle susan boyle doyle boyle okay like a boil on a foot okay i don't think you get boils on your foot yeah okay. you do okay you can get boils on your foot Okay. Marge, is this a pimple or a boil? Oh, my God. It was a gummy bear. Okay. <laughs> um, so, anyway, my mom was like, oh, I love Charlotte Church. And then she went and tried to buy the CD. And she was like, oh. And she looked at the good Charlotte CD. And I was like, that's not something I'm going to buy for you. That's that's bad Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> it's a rock band. <laughs> so, just the... <laughs> The miscommunication there always stuck in my head. Yeah. Also, that's like so, I don't know, 2003? I mean, yeah. Very I, era I, specific. I feel like Good Charlotte is, was, is, has been around a long time. 2002, 2003. I, I mean, they say. were founded in 1996. Sure. But it's not the same, but I remember when I asked my mom for the Rocky Horror Picture Show <laughs> soundtrack, and she didn't know what that movie was. Yeah. And so she asked a friend at work who had a, who had a son that was like my one of my yeah. friends, and like, is this appropriate? Because she <laughs> looked at the back and the songs are you know like, touch it, touch it, touch me. I'm a sweet transvestite. <laughs> yes. And my mom was like, is this okay? <laughs> Kayleen. The difference is my mom did get me yeah. that album. That is the difference. She did. Yep. She did. And look how I turned out. <laughs> All right. Question number two. Who are the only twins that have ever lived in the White House? Ooh, good question. That would be the Bush twins, right? Jenna and, uh, I don't remember the other one's name. Do I need to name them? You need to name them. Okay, these are the twin daughters of George W. Bush. 
Jenna and um, Evangeline. <laughs> Barbara. Is she Barbara? Yeah. Named after his dad, his mom? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Jenna and Barbara Bush. Jenna and Barbara Bush. Okay. I'll give it to you, of course. That was, you you give me it. half point. No, you got it. Okay. You don't have to know their names. Question number three. Beyonce and Jay-Z had twins in 2017. What are their names? Um... You have no idea, so you're going to make up something funny. I know this face. Alabaster and Scrum. You got it. Did I get it? <laughs> no. You're close, though. Sir and Rummy Carter. Sir? Yeah, sir. <laughs> I'm going to double check my answer here, but yes. Sir. So is that Sir Carter? Is that his legal name? Rummy and Sir. Rummy is slang for like a drunkard. R-U-M-I. Rumi? Rumi. Rumi. Okay. 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 Rumi. (laughs) Rumi is a, what, a Sufi poet from the 14th century or something. Oh, sure, yeah. For a bonus half point, what is the name of their older sister? Um... You're just looking around the room for something <laughs> ceiling fan. Yeah. Blankety map pillow. <laughs> you know this, actually, I think. Blue Ivy. Oh, sure. Remember? No? Okay. Celebrity children names is where I can always stump you. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. All right. Question number four. Ron Weasley had twin brothers named... Harry and George. No. Harry and... No, sorry, not Harry. (laughs) Sorry, they just have such, like, plain, like, (laughs) Anglo names. Uh, George and... Uh Uh-oh. Ooh, ooh. George and... Skunk. (laughs) Can you not remember? No, I can't. Fred. Fred, okay. All right, I'll give you a half point. That's fair. Question number five. With a net worth of approximately $500 million, what child stars are possibly the richest twins in the United States? That'd be Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen. Very good. That was a softball. (laughs) Okay, question number six. This chewing gum has featured twins in its ad campaigns since the 1930s. Double mint. Very good. Double your pleasure, double your fun. That's the statement of the great mint and double mint gum. You're going to have to leave that in. <laughs> Very good. It's not the last time we'll hear about double mint gum. Why do you give me these spoilers? <laughs> don't tell me. Don't tell me anything. I don't want to know anything. All the people out there who know this series well should enjoy this topic. Just the fact that you like chose twins as a topic is a really funny. It's funny. Great. It's funny. I'm so glad. Question number seven. The Minnesota Twins have won the World Series how many times? Twice. In 1987 and 1991. Oh my god, how did you know that? Technically, they also won in 1924. Did they really? Mm-hmm, when they were the Washington Senators. Ah. But the Washington Senators relocated to Minnesota to become the Minnesota Twins. Yeah. So they won as the Washington Senators, which you could argue they're not really the Twins then. Yeah. Way to go. I had, a, I had a sweatshirt that, <laughs> I, I believe, said two-time World Series <laughs> champs in 1987, 1981 on it. We're having a Slumdog Millionaire moment right now. <laughs> I think the answer is two times. <laughs> Question number eight. The 1988 film Twins. Mm-hmm. Stars two dramatically physically, which two dramatically physically different actors? That would be Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> yeah, very good. Question number nine. Who are the first set of twins mentioned in the Bible? Ooh. Do Cain and Abel count as twins? I mean, they're the two sons. I don't think they're the twins because I think, um, I think Cain was the elder son. I listened to the Bible Brothers podcast, which is a really funny podcast where these two guys read the Bible Mm. from front to back and just like talk about it. And Mm -hmm. like they just have such a funny perspective where they're they're treating it like you would treat a script. 
Sure. Like, is this telling a good story? Like, oh, what are they doing now? Or why are they setting it up in this way? And just have a really funny, really funny view on it. And one, there is a pair of twins in the early Old Testament called Uz and Buzz. <laughs> but I don't think it's Uz and Buzz. It's not Uz and Buzz. Um, twins. Uh, Jacob and Esau? Yeah. Oh, okay. Very good. That's good. And question number 10. Dylan and Cole Sprouse started their acting career on Friends and then landed the starring role on what Disney TV show? The Sweet Life with Zach and Cody. Very good. You really came back this round. Yeah. That was good. That was good. You that pulled was fun. that out of somewhere. I don't know where. So you got seven and a half. Good job. Thank you. All right. Any last thoughts about the episode? Nah. It's fine. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel, too. Now is the point in the episode where we give our ratings. So, Kayleen, I need to ask you, on a scale of one to five, leg warmers worn as a scarf. <laughs> that's good. What would you give this episode? Three. Three. Right in the middle. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. All right, I'm going to give it a 2.4. Mm. It's fine. Honestly... They could be doing something so much funnier with Bill McNeil that he just feels wasted in this episode. I liked that there was a plot that felt sort of, like I said, a a Mm female-oriented plot. And that I I found that kind of more interesting. Yeah. 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 I thought B.B. Newworth was great. I like her a lot. Mm. I like her as Lilith. I I always enjoyed that character, too. Mm. Now is the point in the episode where we give a recommendation. Kayleen, do you have anything to recommend? I do. I will come up with one right now. Okay. Do you need a minute? Nope. The thing that I'm going to recommend is selling your things on Facebook Marketplace. Honestly, I thought about this too. (laughs) So we have two children. You go through a lot of child stuff, especially when you have a baby. Toys, clothes. Yeah. And actually my recommendation is twofold. You should buy stuff on Facebook Marketplace. Mm -hmm. And you should sell stuff on Facebook Marketplace because... It is way more likely that somebody is going to find use out of your stuff off of there than if you just donate it to, say, a Goodwill or something mm-hmm. like that. I, I, I don't know enough about charitable organizations to know how much of what gets donated actually gets resold and whatever. But, for example, we have a couple things for sale right now that our child grew out of or whatever. And I've given away plenty of things as well. In fact, I'm a member of a buy nothing group in our community, Mm -hmm. which is really cool. You can just post stuff that you just have for free and people can come get it. And it feels good to give things away that other people can use that you don't need anymore. And I have purchased plenty of things off of Facebook marketplace. I have yet to have a bad experience. Maybe that's just luck on my part, but I also really have enjoyed since COVID has started. Yes. Even more so now, people do just porch pickups. Yes. So you don't even have to, like, ring a doorbell. hmm And you just leave it on your front step, and then you come home and there's 10 bucks under your mat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's great. So if you have stuff, plus it just feels good to get rid of stuff that you yeah. don't use or you don't need, and if someone else can use it, get rid of it. Yep. So clean out. That's a good recommendation. There you go. I just sold on Facebook Marketplace for the first time this past weekend. Mm -hmm. I was amazed at how frictionless it was. I know. Like, they make it so easy to do. Yeah. So easy to communicate. Well, and most people, I mean, like, certainly there are scammers on there that will come and, like, take your stuff and not pay you or whatever. But, like, most things in life, the vast majority of people are honest and good and they're contacting you because they have a sincere interest in what you're getting rid of. And... Yeah, the, usually the biggest hassle is if you have multiple people trying to buy your thing and you have to coordinate, or if you're selling multiple things and you're trying to coordinate yeah. putting stuff out for people, but don't do it if you're trying to make money, really. Usually I do it because I'm just like, I want this out of my house, and if I can get 10 bucks, Right. But. Or you see something on Facebook Marketplace and you're like... For $10. For $10, my kids are going to love that toy. Yeah, oh my gosh. Like Christmas shopping? Yes. And like toys? I'm like, buy that stuff used, man. So, there you go. That's a great recommendation. Thanks. I'm going to recommend a podcast. Is it WKJP News Radio? This is WKJP News Radio recommending itself. <laughs> nope. I'm going to recommend a podcast called How Do We Human? Mm. 
This is one that I started listening to dead in the middle of, well, I guess that's a bad choice of words, right in the middle of the beginning of lockdown mm-hmm. last spring. So like a lot of people around the world, around the U.S., we were pretty freaked out and didn't know what was going on and didn't really leave our house for months at a time. Yeah. And we had an infant. <laughs> yep. So I was trying to work from home. Our kid was doing... Online school. Not even online school. He was still in daycare. Yeah. And yeah, we had an right. infant and... Well, and their daycare was closed for a long time. So like yeah. we were all just home all yep. the time. Yeah. So it was a rough time. And in that middle of that, I found this podcast and... <laughs> it saved you. It didn't exactly save me, but it has been really good. So anyway, I started listening to this podcast, and I have been listening to it. They put it out every week, and I have really enjoyed it. So the premise of the podcast is it's a podcast about all the awkward micro moments in life. So it's just these two guys, Evan and uh, Chris, who are really funny, just have a really nice rapport, just buddies, just talking about like, hey, a lot of things you just do every day are weird. (laughs) And like it sounds like Seinfeld. It's weird having to get along, get around through the world, and like going to the grocery store. And like when you go to the grocery store and you're waiting in the like pseudo line to get the self checkout machine. Like, are you waiting in the line for a particular machine, or is everybody waiting in the same line for just whatever machine opens up next? Hmm. You know, that's sort of always isn't it always just one line. Right. But so what do you do if you're waiting in line and a machine opens up and somebody comes along and they don't realize there's a line for the machines. And so they just walk up to the immediately open machine. Oh, when you're Kayleen, you say to them, hi, the line starts back there. Yeah, I do that. And if you're a weird introvert like me, you just swear inside, swear inside and then go home and podcast about it. (laughs) So that's what I like about these guys. So I've just been listening to them for, like I said, 18 plus months now. I might be their biggest fan. Mm. (laughs) I'm definitely the person who interacts with them the most on their social media. Like, I'm just right there saying like, hey, this was really funny or like quoting a funny line from them or Mm. they put out these very funny little photoshops every week for whatever the topic is. Oh, this is those guys that you show me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So... Uh, I'm just a big fan, and um, I know that people listen to podcasts for all different reasons, and there are all different kinds of podcasts out there. This, to me, is like the perfect just hangout podcast in the sense of just like, these two guys are funny, they're just going to talk about some funny stuff, and you're just going to like listen to them. And that's it. There's like no stakes. Nice. Um, So I really enjoy it. I kind of don't understand why their podcast isn't more popular. So this is me. Well, there's a lot of competition. Oh, definitely. But this is me bumping it up and just saying, hey, if that's the kind of thing you're looking for in a podcast, go give theirs a listen. Hmm. They have like 130 episodes now. So Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. And I will say what brought me into that podcast was they had on a guest named Will Hines. Wasn't he on like TV? (laughs) No? He has been on TV, and I've pointed him out to you on shows we've watched. Okay. Will Hines is the host, was the host, is the host of a podcast called Don't Get Me Started, which remains my favorite podcast right. of all time. Right. And he's just well known for doing a lot of different podcasts for a lot of different things, especially around the L.A. area. Hmm. My hope is someday he can be on our show. I have no idea if he has <laughs> any interest in news radio whatsoever. But you'll honestly, get, you'll get him into it. Yeah, honestly, if he could, will, if you have any interest in being a guest on WKJP News Radio, the door is always open. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's all I've got. Anything else? That's it. All right. For next time, we will be watching season two, episode seven, entitled "Bill's Autobiography." Huh. Okay. Any thoughts about that? No, because the titles never make any sense. I will say they have started kind making of. more guess, sense. Yeah, they, maybe someone, maybe Bill's going to write his own memoir, memoir, autobiography. Mm-hmm. He's had such a fascinating life. He's decided that now's the time <laughs> to write an autobiography. Yeah, halfway through his life. <laughs> I, don't <know. laughs> I don't know. No, it's a totally good guess.
Um, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to jinx it or anything, but I feel like we're going into a good, a good run of episodes. Hmm. Um, the next two I remember as being particularly good, and the one after that is one I'm very looking forward to. Great. Anything else, Kayleen? No. All right, let's wrap it up then. For all of us here at WKJP News Radio, this is Jordan. And Kayleen. <laughs> Signing off. The theme music for WKJP News Radio is the song You Say But You Don't Know by the band Troubles Afoot. You can check them out on Spotify, Bandcamp, Apple Music, or wherever you find new music. Special thanks to Uncle Keith for our use of equipment and technical support. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions, you can reach out to us at WKJPPod on Twitter or Instagram. You can also email us at wkjppod at gmail.com. If you like our show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts to help us find other listeners like you. Thanks so much for listening.